Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Jim Holden of the Sunday Express. A stat for you. English clubs have won the Champions League four times in 24 years. Italian clubs have won it five times. Spanish clubs, nine times. Is that going to change any time soon, Tony? I can't see it. Um, I think English football is in a despite all the money, is in a little bit of a slump in European terms. I mean, as, as well as that, between 2005-2012, what was it, the, um, they made seven out of eight finals. So, you know, at that time, it looked as if the Premier League was going to be dominant, but not so much now. I, I think City will be a force in the next few years with Guardiola building, but they're not quite there. I mean, a brilliant attack, but, you know, there's, there's issues in midfield and the defence and the high line will get caught out at the highest level. And I can't see Arsenal making an impact. Um, and Tottenham will probably, well, will definitely go to the uh, knockout stages. But again, this is part of their learning curve. I think, give it another two years, it will change. But at the moment, I don't think there's too much we can hope for this season. Yeah, Pitt was saying after the game, you know, you were on Saturday, Jim, yes. at Old Trafford, that they weren't ready for Europe. Do you agree with that? No, I don't believe that. I think that's just um, psychology from him. I think Manchester City look as if they're going to be a very, very good team this season. He's only had four games. They're looking fantastic already. They were brilliant away to stop Bucharest in the qualifying round. I think they're one of the top five teams in Europe, and I think they'll be up there competing. Mm. They might well be the semi-finals again, but I, I just don't see them going that. Well, I think if you get to the semi-finals, then it's not a lottery, but I think any of the teams that get to the semi-finals mm. can win it. They're very close games. They can often be decided in away goals. I wouldn't rule out Man City getting to the final this but year. But the old City, the indolent City, they didn't believe last season when they were in the semi-final. I get the impression... You know, we're looking for clues about Guardiola at the moment. Mm. You know, look, the stats last weekend, they ran over 119 kilometres collectively, mm. which is a huge figure. So that, that tells me, one, the team is committed to the manager mm. and they're trying to impress. But secondly, you've got, you know, we talk about Guardiola and his ability to get a collective improvement. But you look at the individuals improving. Otamende, Kolarov, Stones, Sterling. People who you know have had question marks against them, 
They're all responding to him. Yeah, and the thing is, the whole setup at City is very good that way. You know, they, they, uh, even under you know the former regime, they, they looked at you know personal performances and they were giving them statistical breakdowns designed to improve areas of the game. And you know, it didn't seem to work under Pellegrini. There was a sort of torpor about the place. I mean, the, you know, the excitement that Guardiola's brought and you know the way he coaches individually and you know sort of talks to people is brilliant. I still think they're a little short in midfield compared to where he wants to be and that, that defence needs a little bit more work if they're going to be at the very top table. But this is very early days in his, you know, his regime at City. And you know, if, they, if they continue in any way like they've started, they're going to be a real European power for the next five years. Mm. You looked at um, the first games against mm. uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. They lost at Freiburg at the weekend. They're the sort of beatable opposition. Nice little start for City, should be, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, Manchester City should beat Borussia Mönchengladbach. They beat them last year in the same group stage. Mönchengladbach, kind of counter-attacking team, reshaping their side. They lost Granit Xhaka to Arsenal in the summer. So I wouldn't expect too many problems for, for Manchester City there. I think, talking about the midfield, the player who hasn't played yet is Gundogan. Yeah, true. It's a fantastic signing. He's one of the very top European midfielders and I think when he comes into the city side you'll see an even more of an improvement. Mm. We look at the, you know, the rest of the, the group stages, um, let's look at Celtic mm. playing Barcelona, fantastic Glasgow derby for them, didn't have much to play against mm. to be perfectly honest. Barcelona, they lost to Alavesh on Saturday, but we don't read anything into that at all do we? No, they left off the team about. You know, they're going. Celtic going from the ridiculous to the sublime this week, aren't they? <laughs> you know, it's a, a, it'll be a different proposition, and they're a long way away from being able to compete with Barcelona. You know, you remember a few years ago those glory nights at um, Parkhead. You know, where the crowd all excited and they had a much stronger team than they've got now. Mm, Tony Watt and all that. Remember yeah, that? Exactly. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think we're, they're in a situation where the best they can hope for really is their place in the Europa League. Um, it's going to be a, a difficult job in many ways for Brendan Rodgers. It should be easy domestically, but very difficult to make an impact on the European uh, scene. I think it's uh, it's too much to ask for them to qualify against City and Barcelona. Mm -hmm. you know, in the Scottish context, you know, their streets ahead, Celtic. Mm -hmm. I thought Moussa Dembele on Saturday, you know, perfect hat-trick, right foot, left foot, header. And there's someone at 19, really interesting career path now, was at Fulham, you know, wanted by the likes of Arsenal and mm. Tottenham, went to Celtic and using Celtic as, you know, the proverbial shop window. Big game for him in a new camp. Yes, it was, and he wasn't supposed to play. You know, Lee Phillips was meant to be the striker, was injured, and he got his chance and took it fantastically well. And he's obviously a wonderful talent, teenage striker. It's better they went to Celtic, get more games. Well, they all play every match, I'm not sure, but they all get more games there. And Spurs, they signed this... Um, Top scorer from Holland last year, Janssen. Yeah, Janssen yeah. He can't get in the team, so Dembele would have had no chance. So Barcelona, uh, they lost on Saturday, as we said. Mascherano was in the team, but a very important player for them. He is, yeah, um, but uh, he's more important as Piquet alongside him. Mm. You know, it's, uh, he anchors that defence. I mean, the Mascherano's brilliant. I, I can never understand why, at the highest levels of the, you know, the final knockout rounds of the uh, Champions League, people haven't worked out how to get at Mascherano in that centre-half position. But, you know, he's got so many qualities. He's, uh, he's not a natural centre-half, but he chases the ball, he wins the ball, and he, he's fantastic with PK beside him. You know, the, 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 it's a great pairing. Um, I, I think, I think that 
they're as good a team as there are in Europe yet again. And, you know, that front three are going to rack up the goals. I think, uh, you know, I think they're going to be the team to beat. And I think City will... You know, thank the Lord that they got them this time in the group, not the knockout stages, because they can't get them in the first knockout stage. Do you agree with that, Jim? Um, well, I think that it's, it's going to be fascinating to see Manchester City play Barcelona, Guardiola against his old side, um, playing exactly the same way, progressive teams. Yeah, they're one of the top teams. I think Juventus could be a really strong team in Europe this season. I mean, they bought Higuain with the money for Pogba, and I think he's a fantastic signing for them. He scored two goals yesterday. Um, yeah, Juventus, Bayern, Real Madrid, mm. Barcelona, Man City, those are the f top five in Europe. Mm. Um, the usual suspects. Now, the unusual suspect, Leicester City. How concerned should they be about the manner of their defeat at Liverpool? Well, they were disappointing. I think they, uh, they pressed Liverpool a bit too much and allowed them space. I think... Uh, I didn't want, before the season, I didn't want to think to myself, losing Kante was that important to them. I thought they'd be able to, to cope with it. But it seems that he has been there. He allowed them to, when they broke, to get forward fast. And if they lost the ball, then he'd be there to protect the, the centre-halves. They didn't have that at Anfield, and they were in two banks of four, and there was space between, space between those two lines to play. And they got picked apart. The other thing that concerns me... Is there a number of the players from last year, you know, from the likes of Morgan, Drinkwater, uh, Simpson, were fairly average Premier League players who all had a career year together. And I wonder whether they'll ever have that same year again, and certainly not together. So, although, you know, they've still got plenty of firepower, they've bought pace, and I can see them, I can see them easily being in the top six or seven. Uh, in Europe, they've got a group where they should be able to, to get through. So I think it's one of them where if they get to the knockout rounds, they, they can think of it as a victory. Mm. Yeah, they're playing in Bruges and yeah. you know, there's that novelty factor as well, isn't there? That There will be a, a surge of adrenaline because it's a, a different competition. It's something that you know, some of those players with the mm. greatest will in the world probably never thought they'd be on this mm. sort of stage. Absolutely, it's a huge adventure and I think that will inspire them and motivate them, perhaps more than the Premier League that the guys were talking about, you know, mm. the Morgans and the Hoos. Mm. Um, I also think the home crowd at Leicester will have a massive impact. They had, did last season, mm. you know, went there and it was an extra goal for them in many games. Um, I also think that Ranieri, we shouldn't underestimate Ranieri, oh, you know, yeah. it's too early to judge Leicester. He, he switched the defence four or five games in last season when he knew it was going wrong. And I think he's waiting to do the same thing. He's put a lot of new players, as you said, Slimani and Musa and others. Mm. And I think you'll see the gradual, a gradual change of Leicester in the next few weeks. Mm. Uh, and they won't be the same side. They played a very high line against Liverpool, which didn't work mm. with their, you know, the, the veteran central defenders. I doubt if you'll keep doing that. So I think there'll be improvement with Leicester. Yeah, they obviously lost. looks like they've lost Danny Simpson to a hamstring injury. Mm. We've got young players like you know, Ben Chilwell, for instance. Mm. I know Liverpool really, really, really fancied him. Um, do you see that evo evolution coming in time for them to actually excel this season? I'm thinking that you know, Moussa's got great pace mm. and you can see him making a big impact in that team. Does change have to come sooner rather than later? Well, I mean, I think you'll you'll stick with uh, last year's heroes for as long as he can, but I think it'll be a gradual evolution over the season. I don't think there's expectations of another title win, <laughs> that's for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but certainly, they're good enough team to be in and around the European places. And uh, and again, what, if they do get to the knockout rounds, when they get teams that will come onto them, who knows what they can do with the uh, with, with the quick breaks? Mm. 
Most urgent uh, attention needs to be paid PSG against Arsenal. Mm -hmm. Big, big game for Arsenal, this, isn't it? Every game's a big game for Arsenal at the moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that they're fortunate in a way that PSG have started poorly. Uh, new manager, you know, bringing his own uh, philosophy to the club, Unai Emery, who's been brilliant with Seville in the last couple of years. They've lost a few players. Um, so it's a good time to be playing PSG. It's also a good time for PSG to be playing Arsenal. I, Arsenal are not the team they were even two or three years ago. Seems to me like they're drifting a bit under Arsene Wenger at the moment. Some signings are, don't inspire confidence. Um, uh, it's, I think it's a, a battle between two two has-beens. To be honest, that match. Mm. Now, yeah. I know you're a great believer in the the essential hardness of, of Arsenal's approach. <laughs> uh, what do you see at Arsenal at the moment? You know, you've got two signings, you know, Lucas and Mustafi. Mm doesn't smack of great recruitment. It's, it, it's sort of, it's almost like the, the last minute dash around the sails. Yep. You've got Arsene Wenger's traditional style, which is impress a little bit, then go out in the last 16. Mm. What, what do you expect from Arsenal? Well, same as usual, finishing the top four, got in the last 16. They've been out in the last 16 for what, the last six years, is it? Mm. Um, you know, the thing about Arsenal, They've got players. They've got good players. I mean, we had Sanchez saying that he was on the same level as Messi. I mean, really? You've got Ezel, who everyone loves, who, you know, so you see him on the ball, and he's got all the talent in the world, but more self-regard than impact. And you know what? It's like th there's so many players at Arsenal who are in their comfort zone. And, you know, is Wenger in his comfort zone? And none of them seem to be wanting to make the next step forward. You know, I, I, I just, it never ceases to amaze me how everyone just raves about Arsenal at times here, especially Sanchez and, and even more so Ezel. And yet that's so frustrating. Uh, you know, they, they annoy me more than any other team I watch. I don't know what it must be like to be an Arsenal fan because I'm sitting in the press box banging my head on the table. <laughs> but they indulge players, I suppose. You know, and, but all clubs do. You know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about new contracts for Ozil and mm. Sanchez. Give them a few quid extra, keep them quiet. Is that the problem with modern football? Um, no, you, that's not a problem with modern football. You have, to, you have to keep your best players, and the clubs that don't suffer. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's a problem with Arsenal, and they should try to keep Ozil, who's a fantastic player, and Sanchez, but you need to put some urgency into that team, some inspiration into that team. I don't see Wenger, and he's been a fantastic manager. Mm. I've been an arch defender of him for 10, 15 years. I don't see that. I don't see him inspiring the team, motivating the team. They were very poor against Southampton, even though they scraped a win by a fluky penalty. Um, I think the problem is not the players. I think it's the manager now, actually. Mm. He, he did err on the side of caution. He didn't pick uh, Zaka for the uh, Southampton game. Mm. I'm assuming he's going to come back for Europe. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, he's, he, he looks like he looks quite a good player, but he's going to pick up so many bookings and red cards, especially in their Arsenal system. It's untrue, you know. It's uh, I and the thing is, even when you watch Arsenal and they play at the most disciplined, last year in the Champions League uh, at the Emirates against Barcelona, that was it was one of the the better performance in terms of holding the shape, not overcommitting, not leaving that gap between the forward midfielders and the defence, and yet. It all fell apart in a matter of minutes. There's, 
Graham Sunes called them a team of son-in-laws, and it's um, I've never heard a better description of them. You know what? The one thing, if if Wenger would have got Jamie Vardy this summer, it would have done. It was inject some nastiness into that team. I think what they need is someone to go into that dressing room, point some fingers. You know, sort of um, say some harsh words and demand a higher standard of effort and commitment. Lucas Perez, or mm. you know, no one's quite sure what to call him <laughs> at the moment. He says he's Lucas. Everyone else called yes. him Perez. He looked a bit of a peripheral figure, and Mustafi looked to me very small for a central defender. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I think it's a bit unfair actually. Mustafi's not that bad. I, I, I hate to judge players on one or two games. You know, we'll probably come to Mkhitaryan later. It's unfair to judge players, especially coming into the Premier League, which is a hurly-burly, very, very fast-paced league. I mean, you compare it to... Watched, I watched Italian football and German football and Spanish football at the weekend as well. It's a vast difference. And so you have to give players time to, to settle. So I wouldn't like to judge them yet. OK. Look at Spurs now. We're, we're getting immediate feedback about, quotes the magic of Wembley. 80,000 people there on Wednesday night mm. against Monaco. Are they coming into form? Well, yeah, they are. I mean, I didn't think they started the season that badly. They looked a bit tired, but, you know, they're, they're better than last season where they drew too many games, you know, and, um, uh, you know, all of a sudden they clicked at uh, Stoke. I mean, the 4-0 win last year at Stoke was the tipping point, the moment they self-destructed afterwards. Mm. Uh, let's see what they've learned this season. They're a very young team, um, and they suffered a lack of leadership last year. In the Champions League, let's see if the, you know, the players have grown, whether they can take on the responsibilities. You know, people like Dyer and Kane, who are the natural leaders, Ali is going to grow into a, a proper player. Um, you know, they, they, they had a chasing experience in the summer and see how that affects them. Uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, the, the move to Wembley, obviously, with the works going on at White Hart Lane, uh, on the face of it, it's a good idea, but these things... So often don't pan out quite like you think these would, and you know you wonder whether whether losing the home advantage will will suit them. Mm. But but this is a good team. It's an improving team, and they're going to be a team that that, that should develop over the next couple of years. Mm. Quite like Kane, who's very sort of mm. self-deprecating about actually scoring for a change yeah. and getting <laughs> off the mark relatively early. Uh, what's your view of him as a, as a both as a person and a player? Uh, well, I think the humility that he shows is, is all to his credit. I think that, that means that he will learn and keep learning and come over the bad times. Um, he seems to start every season slowly. He's done it both the seasons so far and he's done it again this time. So. He's had a heck of a workload, hasn't he? Mm. He has, and, and maybe the pre-season hasn't been the best and so it takes time to come in. And I come back to the point about the pace. You know, It takes time to get into the pace of the game, even for our players. So... Uh, I think he's a fantastic striker. I think he's England's best striker, better than Rashford and better than uh, Sturridge, and certainly better than Vardy on, at, at his peak. Um, it was interesting, he said, talking about home advantage, that the, the Spurs players will feel at home at Wembley. Five of them are England players. Mm. It's their home team, home ground already, in a way. So, mm. And it's not like the old Wembley. Arsenal played a couple of seasons at the old Wembley, mm. and that, that was a different stadium. That couldn't be a home stadium, but this is a much more compact stadium, a bit like... Um, Allianz here in Bayern. It's a better football stadium, so I think the atmosphere will help Spurs. 80,000 fans, 70,000, 75,000 on your side has to have a positive impact, mm -hmm. I think. Ali, you mentioned him. Mm -hmm. He's someone that you can look at and say, well, OK, let's build a team around this kid for, for a decade, really. Definitely. This season? How do you think he's... He, because at England level, 
you know, Rooney's been in the way a little bit, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, of... yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't understand that Allardyce left Ali out. And, you know, it's, uh, and obviously to accommodate Rooney. And when, when Ali come on for England, he'd just give them thrust and power. And, you know, he got forward and he'll gamble, he'll take a chance. It reminds me a little bit of a young Steven Gerrard. You know, it's, um, I think he's got the capacity to grow and develop. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a mean streak about him, which I like as well. And uh, I, I think he's fantastic. And with uh, Kane's movement up front, Kane's movement intelligence is fantastic. He'll clear out space for him. You know, it, 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 it could have a really, really standout year, Deli Ali. What's your take on, on Monaco, um, Jim? You know, they're top of the French League. Mm. They won 4-1 at Lille at the weekend. Really good goal by Fabinho. A lot mm. of people are looking at him. Yeah. A big threat? Uh, yes, they're a threat, yeah. I mean, the French League is a, is a decent standard. And Fabinho is interesting. He's normally a right-back, but he's been playing midfield at the moment. Very good player. Um, Spurs ought to win. Spurs ought to be better than Monaco. But a couple of seasons ago, they knocked Arsenal out of the mm. Champions League. So we shouldn't underestimate it. But the, the, the expectation owned by Russians was that they'd pump a lot of money in and they haven't actually done that uh, as much as people expected. So I would expect Spurs to come through. We're talking about all those attacking players of Spurs. What I think makes them better than Arsenal, and I think they'll finish in the top four rather than Arsenal this season, oh. is the goalkeeper, Lloris, and the two central defenders, yeah. Tonga and Alderweireld, who are fantastic. And that's, they give them a fantastically solid platform for the rest of play. Mm -hmm. You mentioned and the strength, the relative strength of, of French football at the moment domestically, Jim. Tony, let's look at Claude Puel at Southampton. Mm. That's that's his modus operandi. Is he, he's been very good within the French league. Mm. What about his start at Southampton? He's got a difficult act to follow in Ronald Koeman. Is he is he up to it? Well, I'm sure he's up to it. I mean, I think. It was always going to be difficult going there, and especially the way Southampton do things. You know, they'll, they'll let players go and they'll, you know, sort of look to, to replace them and change things. Um, you know, they, they probably slightly overperformed last year, and, you know, they're, they're probably just about a top 10 team. But one of the things is, you know, you talk to managers who come into the league, and they always say to you, you know, they, they didn't quite expect. The pace, the ferocity. They didn't expect so much of. You know, they expected more tactics and less. You know, compete for the first ball, win the second ball. It's, it's relentless, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and it takes them a while to get to the pace of it. So I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be all right. But you know, it's. Um, I mean, they, they they were quite. They did quite well against Arsenal on um, at the weekends. Mm. So you know, I think that'll give them a bit of confidence, even though they, they lost at the end. And I think it's just a case of them bedding in a little while. A player who continually impresses me at, at Southampton is Virgil van Dijk. Now, he's mm. someone who's, who did what uh, Moussa Dembele is trying to do at Celtic, in other yeah. words, using that as uh, almost a, a shot window for himself, mm. where you know, when he was playing in Scottish football, basically, he could have had a big cigar on and a <laughs> try of drinks because he was so much better than yeah. anything that was around him. Is he a really key player and is he the next big signing to go out of Southampton? He's certainly a key player for them. He's a very, very good central defender and it's, as we're talking about Spurs, it's the heart of a team. You get that right and, and you've got a, a fantastic base to, to build on. Is he, I, is he going to be the next big central defending signing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure. He's not a lot of them good. about though, are there? No. I'm not 100% sure about that. Mm -hmm. Sparta Prague, though, should be a relatively straightforward start for them, do you think? Yeah, you'd think so. You know, it's, um, I, I, you know, it's, I think there'll be a, it'll be a lively atmosphere there, and I think, you know, 
I suppose, uh, uh, are not that great. And I think it should be uh, a fairly smooth start for them. Mm. Now, Manchester United are in the Europa League, which you know, doesn't usually appear in the same sentence, does it? <laughs> Will it be a case of mentality? They're playing Feyenoord on a Thursday night. They've got the Thursday-Sunday routine to, to deal with now. Mm. What will their approach to the Europa League be? Well, if Jose Mourinho is true to what he's done in the last 10, 12 years, they will try to win it because he says, his, his attitude is, I'm going to try to win every competition I'm in, uh, which is to, fantastic to his credit. I, I, I've always thought it's appalling that English football has a snobbish attitude towards the Europa League. I don't understand seeing it as a second-class competition. Um, it's, not, it's one of the two European competitions. Yeah. I don't understand this idea that you can't play Thursday and Sunday. It's no different to Wednesday and Saturday. You get into the routine. Mm. It's just in your head. And I think Mourinho is the guy, fantastic guy, to, to banish all that. And, yeah, we're going to try and win this. Mm. He's already said that Marcus Rashford is going to start. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been a bit surprising how little he's used him, you know, this season. I mean, I thought, again, in the derby, he was perfect for City's high line, you know, there's pacing getting behind him. Um, you know, up until that point, he's only used him as a substitute. And he come on and, you know, he scored at all. Um, I think he's uh, he's got loads of potential. He's so quick. And it makes sense to play him in the, the, the Europa League. I think, as well, with Mourinho wanting to win it, is... You know, United's a different proposition to other places. You know, they, it's they, they keep talking about traditions and Mourinho. They talk about you know the youth policy. They talk about the good football, and they want to win things. Uh, I think Mourinho was extremely conscious of that. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll give it a good go. Mm, yeah, we talk about you know this being the season of the manager, and the stat that was trot, trotted out after Saturday's game mm -hmm. was that Mourinho's still now only won three out of his seventeen meetings against Pep Guardiola. Yeah. What was the mood like at Old Trafford, the sort of mood music that you got when you were speaking to the managers afterwards? Uh, well, first of all, through the game it was interesting because the mood, City was so dominant and so good in the first half. And within 15 minutes, United fans were restless because they, they hated seeing their team being outplayed, outfought, outbossed. They, they hated it and they were getting restless. The, the goal for Ibrahimovic changed the mood, suddenly they had something to believe in. It was fine in the second half with the fans who got behind the side. Um, Did they, 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 it seemed that they were really down very quickly on Mkhitaryan. Yeah, they, they were down particularly on him, but it was the whole team, the whole team. It wasn't just Mkhitaryan, but they, were, they saw that Mkhitaryan was off the pace, wasn't ready for that match. Um, and Mourinho admitted afterwards that he, he might have taken him off after 20 minutes and probably should have done, but he didn't want to for the psychological reasons. Mm. Uh, and they say in Germany that Mkhitaryan is, is a splendid, spectacular player at times going forward, but isn't the strongest mentally, uh, and that seemed to be the case certainly on Saturday. And that's the essence of playing for a club like Manchester United, having the mental strength to produce consistently under pressure. Yeah, without a doubt. And you wondered about Mkhitaryan in the first three games of the season, where you know Mourinho didn't use him much at all. You know, and, um, and I think. He does come over as a little bit lightweight. Uh, I mean, it was amazing to see you know over a hundred million pounds worth of midfield players on the pitch for United on um, Saturday, and then bypassing them with the long ball. Mm. Um, it, it tells you that he's got a lot of work to do, Mourinho. There, mm. it seems that the the plan is still to come together. City looked like a much more cohesive. Almost not quite the finished article, but getting there much quicker than United. Well, Guardiola has a philosophy. He wants to play. He knows what he wants to do. The players are brought into it. You can see that. You know, the signing of Bravo, yes, he's not going to be the best goalkeeper, but 
what he does on the ball to pass the ball out from the back fits into Guardia's philosophy. They want to play a certain way. They picked a positive team on Saturday. United picked a negative team to counter what City were doing, which mm. seems surprising, but that's the way Mourinho is. And the, the, the selection of Mkhitaryan and Lingard, he explained it, was because he thought the City fullbacks would push into midfield as they had in the first few games, and then there would be space for Mkhitaryan and Lingard to use them uh, on the flanks. The fullbacks didn't push forward. Mm. They stayed back. And so City were positive, United were negative, and I think Mourinho, that's Mourinho's biggest challenge is to make United positive. Mm. Mm. They need to really make a statement then at, at Watford in, in the BT Sport game on Sunday, don't they? Well, you'd think so, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the problem for Mourinho is mainly in midfield. It, it's all a bit pedestrian. They don't move the ball quickly enough forward. And um, finding a way to integrate Pogba into his style of midfield, I think, is the key to it. Pogba was pretty poor on mm -hmm. the derby. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they paid a lot of money for him. But, you know, he's, he's, he looks he looks almost like a prototypical, you know, Premier League player, big and strong and surges forwards. Not the brightest in terms of football intelligence on the pitch. Mm. What about the way the season unfolds? I think it will become very clear very quickly that Liverpool and Chelsea, who meet on Friday have got an inherent advantage because of their lack of European commitment. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, they helped Leicester City last season. Um, there's no doubt they're not playing in Europe. You're, you're fresher. You're, mm. You've got more time for the manager to prepare in midweek. Um, yes, it, it's a huge advantage, and Conte has said that. Um, I expect both of those teams to be in the top four at the end of the season as well. Right. I think they'll be strong. What about Liverpool? Now, you know, they, they did play well against mm. Leicester. Um, New stadium, well, new main stand. Does that affect the dynamics of the situation there? Well, it'll be interesting how it does pan out. You know, it's because um, sometimes you, you know, you do these things like West Ham moves to the Olympic Stadium, and you don't realise the ramifications of it. What'll be interesting is uh, it's now the biggest part of the ground, the, the focal points really. The players were running to it. Um, what does that do to the cop? You know, the the, the cop. Achieved. You can't be a second-class citizen on the cop, can you? Well, you know, you, not in my mind, but, <laughs> you know, the cop was built on being, you know, I'd speak 24,000 people at one end, you know, almost half the, the, the stadium behind the goal. Now the focus has moved, you know, it's um, what led to to the cop. Um, it overshadows it uh, physically, hopefully not metaphorically. Mm. And just a final point on Chelsea. Yeah. Um, how do you see them shaping up? That defence, well, I think the best thing you could say about that defence was that David Luiz would bring a bit of stability and sanity to it. And some pace to it as well. <laughs> and some pace. I think what they lacked was pace. Um, you saw that with the breakaway goal for Swansea, the first, the first one. They couldn't cope with the, the counter-attack. Um, Conte's a fantastic manager. He knows how to organise a team. He's always played three at the back at Juventus, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some stage through the season he changes the system and goes to three at the back. Mm -hmm. Now, ludicrously early in the season to do this, but hey, let's do it. Top three at the moment, City, Chelsea, United. If you put your, um, your uh, magician's hat on, Tony, and you as well, Jim, <laughs> will that be the, f the top three come May? Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> the, the only one I bet in being in the top three is City. It's, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't think, I think Tottenham are going to be there and thereabouts. I think they're going to improve. And I think, uh, well, Arsenal finished fourth. 
as usual. Um, <laughs> not, not, not as usual, because he didn't last year. But no, I think uh, I think there's still plenty of turn and throwing to, to go. I think it's uh, it's not quite as wide open as last year, but pretty wide open. Jim? Uh, well, I think City, so far, are streets ahead, and uh, they're my tip to win the title. I think after that, you can pick... And I don't think Arsenal will be in the top four. I think they're drifting a bit. But I think you can pick any two of Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, United, and maybe even Everton to, to be competing for the top four. Everton, because of what, the Koeman effect? Yeah, Koeman. He's, he's a really, really uh, bright coach. Uh, did wonders at Southampton. Uh, Everton has started well. I'm not surprised by that. He's Tactically, he's one of the very best. You ask the, the coaches and managers around the Premier League and they'll tell you he's really got a sharp mind on football. Mm. Um, and I think they'll be very strong Everton. I agree with Jim. City look really good and they'll get better. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.